Mindless Can, the podcast with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushel. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work and in your community. So welcome to uh, you this morning, if you're listening to the Kindness Can podcast. Good morning, Paulie. Uh, good morning, Jane. As always, so nice to be connecting uh, with all these wonderful faces on our screens this morning, and so wonderful to be connecting with you, the listener. Uh, we've got a special guest uh, with us this morning, Jess Besson, and um, I think it was what, oh, who knows what day it is and what day I connected with you, Paulie, but it was late at night, and I SMSed you, and I said, oh! <gasps> Look at this piece of writing. Isn't this absolutely incredible? And the words that we're going to get into this morning are from Jess, um, who lives in Westbrook on the east coast of South Africa with her hubby and uh, her two wildlings. Love the way that's written. And uh, Jess loves gardening, her cats, walking on the beach, readings. Jess is also a speaker, a coach, a pastor, a facilitator, and a writer. Jess, it's really wonderful to have you with us on the Kindness Can podcast this morning. Welcome. Thank you so much, Jane. Thanks, Paul. I am so excited to be here with you guys and quite surprised that this little poem that I sat and I will confess to you and all your listeners right now, I was sitting on the loo when I wrote it, which is where inspiration (laughs) strikes. And fortunately, we have our phones with us when we're hiding from our kids as moms. Um, So I sat there trying to find a moment of peace. And in that peace, in that moment, the the words kind of just flowed out. Um, so I'm a, I'm a little bit surprised at the life that they've taken on, and I'm glad that they're resonating. Yeah, I think we can certainly identify with so much of what you wrote. Um, it moved me. I felt teary. I felt brave. I felt scared. I felt vulnerable. I could identify with so many parts of the writing, and I think it comes from such um, a beautiful, honest place. I mean, as you say, you were writing it with no other intention, just to put a beautiful collection of words together. And they have a life of their own. Um, and I can't wait for you to get into it. Paulie, did you want to say something, my love? Yeah, I, I think what I, what I wanted to say was, yeah, thank you, Jess. Because when I read those words, it felt like so much of what I certainly uh, am feeling and experiencing. And I know so many other people are feeling and experiencing. And in, tra- in traumatic incidences, finding the words is really, really important because when we find the words to describe what we are physically and emotionally uh, experiencing and we start to articulate what what happened around us and what that means for us, yeah, it can feel like just such a lifeboat. It kind of starts to kind of create a bit of safety for us. So I think when I connected with those words, I, I kind of felt just, yeah, very soothed uh, in a sense of, yeah, that kind of articulates so much of, of what I'm feeling and I know you're going to get into the words now and I can't wait. Uh, but what I loved about it the most was that it made space for all the contradictions uh, and all the confusion in, in, in what, I, what I and so many other people are, are feeling. So, Jess, if you don't mind, would you read it for us? Sure. I'd love to read it for you. And um, I think for me, I needed to give myself permission <laughs> to feel things that don't seem to fit together. So... This is, we can be both. I can be so relieved this is over and so angry that it happened. I can be inspired by people's efforts and furious that people did this. 
I can be grateful for what I have and grieving for what I've lost. I can be both. Limiting myself to only one limits my healing and recovery. I can be strong and I can be oversensitive. I can be optimistic and I can be offended. I can be playful and I can see how precarious this is. I can be both. I can be cautious and I can be kind. I can hold someone accountable and I can forgive them for their sins. I can have safe boundaries and I can make generous assumptions. I can be both. And it's, it's not just me, it's we. We can be angry at those who took from us and feel compassion for those who have violated their consciences. We can expect more of humanity and we can acknowledge how people who feel dehumanized might behave. We can demand justice and decide not to judge. It can be both. Limiting ourselves to only one limits our nation's healing and recovery. Chaos makes us crave certainty. Certainty makes us search for simple answers. Simple answers make us see people as either or black, white, good, bad, suburb, township, looter, patroller, rich, poor, protester, protector, right, wrong. May we all choose to be wounded healers. Because remember, my neighbors, known and unknown, we are both. Yo. <laughs> I'm just going to take a little moment, yeah. Mm. Sure. Thank you, Jess. So beautiful and so needed. It feels like, you know, Paul and I often talk about tools when going through trauma and having gone through the trauma, sorry, <laughs> I feel like it's just opening, having gone through the trauma that we've gone through in KZN over the last couple of days, it just feels like a really beautiful soothe because I think when we go through trauma, we feel like we have to choose we feel like we have to pick a side. We feel like we have to band with people that feel the same way as we do. But I feel both. Every day I feel both. Um, so I just, you're oh, beautifully read, so powerful. Thank you so much, Paulie. Oh, please, over yeah, to you. I think, I think, this, yeah, I think reiterate what I said earlier, that kind of finding the words uh, is really important for, for all of us right now. Uh, and so, yeah, whoever you are, uh, take take inspiration from Jason, just sit down uh, and talk through, write through the different things that you are, are feeling. It's incredibly powerful. But I think, Jess, what you've articulated there so beautifully uh, is the permission to, to have more than one feeling at once. And I think that's sometimes surprising for people uh, that you're allowed to have conflicting uh, feelings at the same time, uh, and that you have the capacity to hold them or ask for people to help you hold those conflicting, confusing, uh, contradictory feelings all at the same time. And, I, and I, what's so powerful about that 
when we do that is we allow ourselves not to oversimplify the problem, not to feel like we've got to kind of limit ourselves. And I, I worry about that because as a country, a, a country that is so famous for being resilient and picking ourselves up and carrying on uh, in the process of doing that, and it's a negative resilience, I think we do sometimes simplify our problems uh, without really making space for, for their complexity. Um, yeah, I don't know what you feel when I say that. I hope I'm, I'm, I hope I'm getting the poem right. <laughs> no, you've nailed it. You know, I think one of the things that's helpful to understand, and I allude to it in the poem, is that when things are crazy, we do try to make sense of them. And thinking in nuance, thinking in complexity is mentally draining. It requires a lot of energy for our brains to hold the tension. Um, and so because we're tired and because we're exhausted, that tension feels too much. And so we just, out of exhaustion, um, out of insecurity, can we, can we say yes to two things at the same time? We just choose one. And that kind of binary thinking that either or it's comforting in the moment, um, but it's so divisive. And, and, and I think that's why in South Africa we find ourselves very divided is because we are traumatized on a, a micro and a macro level. And so that fatigue and that trauma is making us cling to one set. And we often just associate a whole lot of things. Like if you're, you know, um, a patroller, then you're also rich, white, privileged, racist. Um, and so we, we attach a whole bunch of things to one identity. And then it gets really confusing for our brains when there's something true for us on the other side. Um, and so I think what people need to give themselves permission to do is say, I see myself doing this. Even if you can't fix it, just to say, oh, yeah, I I'm choosing either ors here. I'm getting very binary. Um, I'm tired. And I'm going to press pause because I think that pause gives us a chance to catch our breath and recover. And when we have a little bit more energy to say, okay, it's not that simple. And so like one of the things I've been doing with our kids is that trying to give them things they can be certain about that are not as um, controversial. You know, so let's be certain about bedtime. Let's be certain about routines. Let's be certain about um, things that uh, we do have control over. So our brain gets what it's craving and then we can be both with our emotions and we can be both with how we see each other and our opinions about this country and where it's headed. So I feel like people need to say, I'm craving certainty. Then, you know, scratch the itch, but try to do it with something physical in your immediate environment so that your emotions have a chance to all show up as they are. Mm -hmm. I love it because I think, you know, especially when we talk about the exhaustion, now trying to create a new, a new neuro pathway of not being binary, exclusive or inclusive uh, takes a lot of hard work um, because it's so easy to fall back into those preconditioned patterns of this is how I've always been, or this is how I've always thought. But then it kind of leaves you with that, like that guilt that you could have shown up and been both. Uh, and I'm just, I'm so grateful for, for doing the work, although it's hard and it's an, almost a full-time job, the fruit that it bears um, for those around you and of course for yourself and for your children is so wonderful, but it's not the easy route. We know that. No, it's hard. And 
I think that that binary thinking, um, I think one of the things that's made me so sad, and it's one of the reasons why I wrote the poem, is that I see in myself and the people around me, um, in our craving for certainty, we have grabbed hold of stereotypes. They're familiar. We know how they work. And some of our stereotypes have been affirmed. And we stereotype because it's a quick pathway for our brain to travel. Our brain doesn't have to do any thinking. It can do it automatically. Stereotypes save us time and save us energy. And we don't have time. We don't have energy right now. Um, and it, it's hard to not slip into that. And that's why I think if people can see themselves doing it, it's the first step to slowing that um, down and to not losing so much of the hard work that I know you and so many of your listeners, so many of us have done some really hard work to untangle ourselves um, and to find kindness and compassion. And then it's really discouraging when that kind of feels undone in a crisis like that. And I'm, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like really sad that we've taken steps backwards from the kindness that many of us have worked so hard to um, see the world with. Yeah, absolutely. And Jane and I always say, if, if kind was easy, everyone would be doing it all the time. Uh, but just because something is hard uh, doesn't mean that it's right uh, and important. And I'm very conscious of, of that the unfolding of this experience will happen in phases. Uh, there will be things that will be important at different times in, in all of this. And I'm conscious of the fact that Many of our listeners will still be feeling very fatigued and, and overwhelmed, but to reassure them to kind of go gently on that journey and, and when the time is right for you, kind of really, oh, and that might be at different times in the same day at this stage, uh, but just kind of reconnecting with who, who is it that I want to be? Who is it I've worked so hard to be? And how do I reconnect with those values uh, even in a time of crisis? I don't know what you think when I say that, Jace. I love that. And I think um, a lot of us are just feeling confused by ourselves right now. We don't understand our reactions. Maybe they are not, they're coming out in ways where we think that's different to who I normally am. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't know about you guys. I know a lot of my friends that we've kind of said to ourselves, I'm fine. And then, and then I get to the shops and it closed five minutes ago and I'm having a, an, an absolute meltdown in the parking lot. You know, it's triggered by these little things. It's, it feels like it's right underneath the surface. And I wrote this poem on Sunday afternoon. And that morning, we spent some time with people cleaning up. And it was the first time I cried in this whole process. And I can feel even now as I remember what it felt like as I go back into my body in the, on that day, I get teary because we were driving to this cleanup. And for the first time, I saw a lot of physical destruction. And it hit me like a like a like a in a new reality in a new way and I think I know I felt like wow here we are and I'm watching people clean up and do these amazing things and I'm devastated like they don't go together they don't fit um and I I, I feel like for so many of us that what you're saying Paul we got to start small and starting small is going hey I'm not crazy <laughs> I'm not losing it I'm, my brain is just trying to figure out how to hold all this contradiction at the same time and even in the same moment. Mm. Yeah. Um, Jane, maybe, oh, sorry, Jane, but yeah, I was just, I, yeah, I was just sitting here thinking that 
you know, Jane and I have been doing some work with, with schools and, and teachers who are preparing to go back to school and hold space for, for their learners um, who have been through varying uh, degrees of exposure to this trauma, but who no doubt all have a sense that something is, is wrong. Do you have any advice for those teachers of, of kind of like when they go into those uh, conversations, especially with older learners, where they might want to talk about some of the socio-political, um, the hard conversations right now. How should teachers approach that? Yeah, I think it's a good question. And for me, pre- understanding and seeing things from other people's perspective happens best through stories. Um, And when people share their experiences, it's not um, a political statement. It's not a um, a loaded, controversial view. It's just somebody saying, this is what happened to me. Um, And I know I've done some work with teachers and schools as well around tough conversations. And to create a safe environment for people to tell their stories and to give each other the gift of listening, to say, okay, tell us what was waking up on Monday morning like for you and then permission to not add commentary to that so permission to just say thank you for sharing that with us and listening and then moving on um I think that I think so many teachers out there themselves have had a heck of a year I think of the teachers who are sitting with my kids now we're already in the online schooling space and those people are superheroes like I have so much respect for them Um, And I think the classroom can be a place of routine and safety and security, but that the teachers don't say, okay, you know what, we're going to let ourselves get uncomfortable. To say permission to sit in discomfort, where one child in the class may have been in a family that couldn't get food, and another child in the class may have been in a family where they had more than enough um, and were scared that it would be taken away. Um, and so it's giving each other permission to tell a story um, without judgments um, and just to feel safe to say, this happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was going to say is, you know, having arrived at the words, which um, I mean, I haven't cried like I cried just now in a long time. I feel like, you know, I've just been operating in the light work space uh, since I hit the ground running whatever day that was. Um, and those words just kind of unraveled me. Um, the last time I kind of unraveled like that was when I spoke to Paul on the Tuesday. I was in the Berg, away from my family who had been separated. And it's been really helpful processing the trauma by understanding what actually happens inside of your body when you're under that siege. It's helped me understand that the pain that I have in my back where my kidneys are located, oh, now I understand that, you know, when I'm under fight or flight, I release cortisol and that hangs around as residual near my kidneys. Oh, okay, I understand that now. Not knowing what day it is ever. I mean, I don't know what day it is today. I think it's Thursday. (laughs) But, I mean, we had a laugh. Uh, I tried to register for my vaccination last week. And, Jess, if someone had said to me, Jane, I'm going to give you a million rand if you can tell me your ID number. I couldn't remember my ID number. I was like, I know it's 7907, but I don't know what the rest is. I'm 42, bro. I mean, I've had enough time. But I had to go and find my ID number. So what's happened in the trauma in the days that have passed is that the smallest things have become very difficult. So getting to the shop and it's closed, I've been courageous in leaving my home in a pandemic. And now I get there and you're telling me I've got to go. Well, that's too much for me to handle. So understanding what's been going on um, from a brain thoughts 
feelings, behavior level has been so, again, I use the word soothing because I'm white knuckling to the lanterns at the moment. I'm white knuckling to the hope because I don't really do very well at all in hopelessness. I do really well in hopefulness. But then we were also saying that sometimes being hopeful all the time and having this um, reputation as being South African and we are resilient. We were saying the other day, Paulie and I were laughing because you have to laugh to keep from crying. Sometimes we just want to be the sexy country lying in a thong on the beach drinking a coconut something. You know what I mean? Well, how did the Brazilians get the, you know, the monopoly on, on fun? But you know what? Exactly. You can be both. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And I, I, you know what? I would love to see people get a piece of paper, write down, I can be both, and then do all the both ends. Write it down, label it. I mean, we all know when you label your emotions, you know, name it to tame it. Um, When they have those words that we've spoken about, they're not out of control. They're there. And it's like looking into a mirror and being, okay, I see this and I'm still here. We can be both. And I, I love the idea of, um, you know, we're majoring on minors right now. We are majoring on minors. And so people will flip out about the smallest thing. I mean, confession, my husband, who is your A-type organized, you know, stay on top of things. When we are in chaos, the two of us, he goes into control and I go into crazy. Like that's how we cope. And our coping <laughs> mechanisms really irritate each other. So my coping mechanism is, boys just watch two more hours of tv and yes you can have the candy floss i was saving for your birthday for breakfast you know and (laughs) his coping mechanism is um right we need to have a discussion about nutrition screen time and exercise and i'm like uh hello we're in the middle of an insurrection and you want to talk about nutrition like so it's i think what's helpful is to say how do i cope okay i know i cope by going into Um, let everything just go to pieces he copes by getting very very organized that's going to irritate each other and the kindness of of saying you know what I'm going to let you have your little meltdown and what happens in this moment stays in this moment I'm not going to pick it up and take it forward and make you hold you accountable for that and can you be kind to me like that too Mm -hmm. Um, and so for teachers in classroom you know kids are going to maybe freak out because they couldn't upload a document or they couldn't find that folder and to be able to say you know what this is about that this is not about the project this is not about you know um their their zoom not working or whatever the little trigger is this is about that and to let people cope the way they need to cope with compassion and kindness you and your husband basically sound like uh, jane and i <laughs> in, in our work marriage um jane's like oh my gosh i'm kind of just in my pjc i'm like jane come on let's get on top of what's the routine what, how are we gonna but get look at this great <laughs> shirt and look at the buttons and how these shoulder pads jane we need to talk <laughs> let's get let's get routine here let's get predictable um i think jess what i if i could just pull out something that you said there uh, for for teachers and and learners and and parents because i think it's so important that yeah expect uh yes expect strange responses uh to small things uh, we know that children have all the same feelings as as adults uh, they sometimes just don't know how to well many adults myself included in moments like this sometimes find it hard to articulate them or to know what to do with them so 
we can really expect for young people that it's, it's going to come out in, in strange ways. And I, I love what you said there, just kind of responding to that with, with understanding, with openness, acceptance, and, and kindness in that moment. Give the feeling a name. Name it to tame it. I love it. Yeah. I would love, Jess, for you to tell us about your book before you leave and how people can get in touch with you. And I say again, you wrote that poem on Sunday. I didn't even know my ID number. So like, <laughs> I'm saluting you for articulating feelings right now because just getting from the room to room is a big task at times. <laughs> Jane, articulate, like, words is how I cope. And I, mm. I actually was totally freaking out until I started finding words. Um, so I think that's the beauty of these situations, that people find what their default setting is. Um, and so many of us have got goodness in us. Like, we all have goodness in us. And I think we've seen that come out in this time um, and permission to let your goodness help other people and where it's out of your league and you can't do anything. Like I'm not the person who could organize a roster or, you know, get meals to people. I just don't have the like admin detail skills, but give me something philosophical to do. And if it helps people, it helps people. And so actually I'm really hoping that my book will help people with that too. I've written this book. It's still in the draft stage and we're busy editing it at the moment. But years ago, I came across a poem. I love poetry. And you may have heard it's very famous by a Persian poet called Hafez. And he wrote it in the masculine. Um, but in the feminine, this is what it sounds like. It's called Dropping Keys. And it, it says, the small woman builds cages for everyone she knows. While the sage who has to duck her head when the moon is low spends all night dropping keys for the beautiful, rowdy prisoners. And that landed for me because I found myself in a cage at the age of 37. And I just didn't know how I had, how I got there. I felt like I was a small woman. And I remember saying to my husband, I used to think I could do a lot with my life. I used to think, I thought I would be more than this. And I've settled for small. And so many of us don't know what the cages are. We don't know what to call them. We don't know how they got there. But over the years, they've crept up. And we believe these lies about who we are. I'm just a, I'm just a mom. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just an employee. I'm just a, a friend. And we can't see that there's a version of us that was really made to be free, to be like an uncaged bird. Um, so my cage ended up being undiagnosed ADHD. And I didn't know that I had ADHD. And so in the absence of that truth, I made up a story about why I was the way I was. Jess, you're just lazy. You're just crazy. You're just hazy. You never know what's going on. You're irresponsible. You can't finish what you start. And um, I've been on this process of unlocking that cage and replacing lies with truth. And I'm, I think some of the keys that I've found along the way um, are universal keys. So your cage that you found yourself in where you don't know why you're like this, but you are, it may not be ADHD, it might be something totally different, but there are things that can unlock us so that we see our true selves, who we really were, who we really long to be, and we can be flourishing and free. Okay. Yeah. 
How's this? How's this lady? <laughs> I, I could just sit here all day. And, and put me, put me on that list for for that book. It sounds incredible, Jess. But yeah, thank you so much uh, for taking the time this morning. Uh, I know that we've been going for thirty one minutes, but it it feels like what what you have filled that time with and that space with is there's just so much to hold on to here. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jane, and thank you everyone for tuning in. Yeah, thank you so much, Jess. And uh, can you just uh, let us know your contact details? Sure. You can um, follow me on Instagram. It's jess.basson. And that is where um, I hang out with people. Um, but my website, jessbasson.com, um, is where my book is taking shape. And I would love to stay in touch with everybody about their stories and, and finding freedom together. Yay. Lots of love, everybody. You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.